Marisi. I knew that I, for the next three years, I was going to grind and hustle and really focus and lock in. And I've always used that moment in my life as a motivational, like, spark that I knew that it was that losing what, you know, what you really wanted versus, you know, just working hard to get what you want. I am Esco Wilson, and this is The Self-Awakened Lifestyle. I am a lifestyle designer and performance coach. I've helped hundreds of professionals learn how to tap into the power of their innate potential and thrive on a whole new level. I've seen lives change. I see my life change, and I want to help more people. That's what this podcast is all about, bringing my own experience together with scientific principles and holistic practices to help listeners enhance their personal and professional performance. In each episode, I talk with guests about discovering and expanding life's possibility by exploring the mind-body-spirit connection and diving deep into personal authenticity. Today's story helps us to kind of understand what peak performance looks like. And there's all kinds of ways to look at it. On one level, peak performance for me as a former drug dealer during those times, during those critical moments, is a certain level of swagger. And for the purposes of this show, we'll label it as the mercenary. So over 10 years, seven years of that was spent under some type of supervision, meaning I'm out on bail. I'm just violating my probation. I'm not getting caught. I'm still trying to build my drug empire. I'm still trying to grow. Yes, the intention, terrible. But the ability to execute with the gun to your head, even to the point where I was like, if I get convicted, I'm going to go on a run and still create what I need to create. So that level of swagger, that level of confidence demonstrates a certain level, like a primal peak performance on another level. So now I'm in prison and I shift that aggressiveness, that kill or be killed no matter what. I'm killing everybody kind of instinct and I harness it into self-discipline because I'm realizing, you know what? Take that energy and do something powerful for yourself. You are the one who can manifest your life. You are the one who's responsible for your creations. So how are you going to channel all your energy every day, nonstop, studying, deep Ivy League level curriculum, studying the body, studying how to be a trainer, studying myself, constantly building a business in prison. I literally became a leader by focusing on what's the next persona. And I'm labeled that persona as the honorable soldier. And that guided most of my self-development approach. This honorable soldier who's taking responsibility for creating his life. And it's beautiful because, yes, I did become a leader in prison. And I transcended being in prison for close to five years. But I did not grow empathetic for people who couldn't do something similar. People who had like bad habits, like, what you doing? Why are you sleeping all day? Like, what? So I have this aggressiveness in my coaching style. Like, I don't want to hear the BS. Like, I don't want to hear the excuses. All right, fine. What you going to do? That's the next question. So what are you going to do? Great. You see your pain. You see your, your weakness. What are you going to do? So that's me in prison. And the beauty of it is there's a third level of peak performance. There's a third persona. And I'm calling it the inspirational leader. And I'm sitting in that space right now where the inspirational leader still can be a mercenary. They can tap into that electricity. They still can be an honorable soldier and build the proper boundaries and the proper guidelines and systems and be focused to sustain the peace, to sustain the growth. 
but they also inspire others who look at themselves a certain way to realize my weakness in many ways is my greatest opportunity to grow, my greatest opportunity to transcend. And I'm now allowing myself energetically with passion and friendship and connectivity to bleed that into my interactions with the people that I'm working with. And one of those people is today's guest, Paul. Paul, in many ways, is my best friend. He exemplifies these three tiers of peak performance, the mercenary, the honorable soldier, the inspirational leader. And we'll get a chance to explore what that looks like for Paul. So you, brother, you are the king of self-optimization. This is not, this is not a question. This is fact. When they say, yo, Esco, who's the best at self-optimization? I'm like my boy, Paul. He is craving for self-optimization. He's craving peak performance. Anything less, it almost makes him sick. How true is that statement? <laughs> um, well, first, the career that I chose, that I'm in, that allows me to focus on self-optimization is one that's based on performance. And everything that I do, I'm, you know... <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, trying to maximize the least amount of moves that I am, you know, am doing in like the way that I organize my apartment and like have things placed so I can be efficient in my time and accessing things. So yes, performance and self-optimizing and paying attention to, you know, what's driving performance positively or negatively is, that's my whole life. It's philosophy right. of my existence. It's what drives my day. Um, I'm always looking to be, you know, the best. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm hearing and what you say. That's what I know about you and how you show up, how you vibrate, is an intention, purposeful, to put yourself on this stage, put yourself in a place to be analyzed, to be judged. Who's the best? I raise my hand. I'm saying I'm the best. That's what you say. The distinction between being your best and being the best is not necessarily a distinction that I'm trying to make or Paul is trying to make. It's really more of an integration. Being the best by being your best allows you not just to survive the moment or even thrive in the moment. It allows you to conquer the moment. Paul wants to conquer the moment. Paul wants to take it to 104% and show his team how to conquer the situation. So yes, just because you believe you did your best, we applaud you for that. We honor you for that. But also step up to the plate and recognize that your best in relation to somebody else's best, there might be a gap. And that gap might be less beneficial for you as a competitor. And what do you wanna do about that? Are you willing to say, you know what, even at my best, I'm still not the best. I'm still performing at a lower level compared to my competitors. Face the music and then make decisions that allow you to continue to be your best and then shift the game. You don't have to follow the competitor. How do you shift the landscape? How do you change the rules? Like how do you reframe the whole situation? And that's when we're talking about things that are disrupted. Disruptors don't play by the same rules as the people that are ahead of them. They take the table and turn it all the way over and start from scratch. But they do that because they recognize, you know what? 
This is me at my best, and I'm still at a disadvantage. When I have so much to offer, when I have so much that I can share, let me disrupt the situation. Now that is being your best while being the best at creating something new, disrupting the whole landscape of the game. I also respect this is an amazing transition from this person who's focused, very sharp and can execute, but then it's in you to show up as a beautiful friend, as a spiritual man, as an amazing husband, as a truly devoted and caring father. How true is that statement? You know, I want all of that and I think it can coexist with being the best. Those are the reasons or like the outcomes from working to be the best, right? You want to be the best so you can enjoy all of that beautiful time you have with your family or, you know, with your friends or with your coworkers. And, you know, leading by example is, is the only way to do it. Uh, there's no other way. Absolutely. I mean, you talked about having things placed in your apartment. So environmental cueing to allow things to move fluidly gives a very consistent pattern. And talk to me about, so, you know, an alteration of pattern, a self-optimized pattern, and things just completely get flushed away. And there's a whole new reality and there's a whole new level of anxiety. There's a whole new story. Yeah. My wife was nine months pregnant. Mm -hmm. uh, with our third child, who was born on April 30th of 2020. And mm -hmm. COVID really went full steam around like mid-March. So, you know, she was born very much at an uncertain time. And the disruption that occurred was a challenge for sure. And I got COVID in March 23rd of 2020. And I was sick for about two weeks. And it was certainly uncomfortable. I would, did not feel good. And it took, right. it took me a few weeks to recover. And right. it exacerbated the approach that I took to, you know, being in tune with my body and health. And it really set up the next three years of just being aware of, you know, what I'm putting inside my body and how I want to start my day and what I want to feel like. And, you know, just focus on being around as long as possible for my family. Even more recently, you know, I had a blood test and a physical and I had high blood pressure and that scared me. And I spent the next six months, you know, going into like full on commitment to what I was doing. And I lost like 40 or 50 pounds. Yes. I remember when I first saw you a couple of times in class and then I was like, who is this guy? Like you changed, yeah. Like transformation, and I lowered my blood pressure. Correct, you know, seemed to have corrected or at least delayed anything <laughs> that was, you know, an issue. But I would go to your classes all the time, and it just motivated me to, you know, want to be able to do the things that I saw you you were doing in the middle of the room. And then, mm. you know, I would tell myself like, why not me? Why can't I do that? And I was already uh, trying to get stronger and faster and hit all my goals, you know, I wanted to integrate it into my lifestyle for all of the benefits that yoga has provided to me. Some of those benefits are? Dealing with the craziness and anxiety mm -hmm. and the situations that I don't like to be in, in you know, terms of using my breath and ultimately thinking about what you say and having your voice in the back of my head. And then my whole mantra I talk about life as a circle. The whole yoga routine is a circle of, you know, matching sides of 
you know, what you're doing on one side to the left to, to the other side to connect it. Yoga really just sets you up into a feeling, a mood, a vibe for the whole day. What brings you the most anxiety? The most anxiety is, um, I don't know if it's like either be like death or injury or being sick. Like, I don't want to miss any of this stuff. I mean, I actively chose to have kids young, right? It was important mm-hmm. to me to be healthy with my kids, to be able to run around and, you know. And what did your son do that makes you kind of... He's just very disrespectful. And like he says, just mean things to, to me, my wife, and his sisters. We're very much focused on his behavior and his uh, growth as a person. We don't get phone calls from his teacher that he's causing problems at school. And in his athletic world, he's one of the best always in anything he does. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's really in inside of our home with mom and dad and his family, he is just a lunatic. and. He knows he can get whatever he wants from us. And we he has a big problem with being told no. Like when you tell him no, he's on the floor crying, hyperventilating, just really like loud and crazy. So you see your boy, you see his energy, you see how it creates a ripple effect. Like it has an impact on the environment around him. Yeah, like I said, he's doing great in school. He gets good grades. He's smart. He's got a great memory. He's a leader. He He's exhibiting all of the same traits that I have. He's going to go to sleepaway camp this summer, and I'm sure he'll figure out how to be cool there. Yeah. Okay. And that was your pattern? You went to sleepaway camp and all that stuff growing up? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And when did you see yourself changing? Sleepaway camp was big for me. I remember being 10 years old, and I was at this camp, and I had counselors who were cool who got me into music. I remember that was like a turning point in my life. Yeah. And then as a high school kid, describe yourself. As a high school kid, I I was definitely focused on hooking up with girls. Yeah. I was focused on <laughs> smoking weed. I was focused yeah. on sports a little bit. Not so much, but a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to go to NYU. And then I went there. And then turning point in my life was I got in trouble at NYU for selling weed in the dorms. Yep. And I got kicked out of yep. NYU for a year, yep. which is absurd because it's legal now and you can buy it. You can buy it across the street from the dorms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absurd. Right. So it was a turning point in my life. So that got taken away from me and I moved in with my parents. I was depressed. For the first two weeks, I slept in my room and did not leave, basically. So then I connected mm-hmm. with some people who I went to high school with and they told me that they were generating like mortgage leads and also closing the loans and helping people refinance their homes ultimately, which was obviously a gigantic mess years later. But I was really good at it and they promoted me and I made like 80 G's in like six months. And I said, I'm going back to New York City. I knew I was going to go back to school. I knew that I mm-hmm. for the next three years, I was going to grind and hustle and really focus and lock in. And I've always used that moment in my life as a motivational like spark that I knew that it was that Losing what you know what you really wanted versus you know just working hard to get what you want. That's exactly what I was talking about earlier. Where we have these certain patterns, and something happens that just rips the whole thing apart. And how do we basically allow ourselves to be totally destroyed? Where we're laying down for two weeks, 
like very sad and like completely wiped out, demolished, and then reemerge as something new. Let's understand a transition in performance patterns, behavior patterns. And in the story I spoke about the mercenary, the one who has all this primal instinct, who is unbelievably self-confident to the point where they believe they can do anything, even things that are completely idiotic. How do we purify the mercenary? How do we change that energetic pattern? How do we harness it with responsibility into a direction that is more purposeful? So we keep the vibrational frequency of like the energy, the deep triggered responses of the mercenary, but we guide that pattern from nervous system up, from cellular signaling up. We guide that towards creating something that we really want to create, knowing that we do need that constant deep energy, that vibrational frequency so that we make our biggest mistake. We're still confident enough that we're going to push forward, that we're going to be resilient. That means we have to trigger, we have to provoke the mercenary. And that might be fear, that might be anxiety, that might be something that initially is unpleasant. How do we tap into that sensation that's unpleasant, purify it, settle into it, regulate into it, and then absorb all the energy that sprouted out from it? That's what I'm talking about when we relate to enhancing our patterns. So I have a sequence of behaviors. I know that sequence of behaviors awakens this animal inside of me, but I have to change it in slight ways, in nuanced ways. So I know that all that beautiful, powerful energy is being harnessed through a beautiful pattern of behaviors in the proper direction. When did you start exercising consistently? When I was in my 20s, I was at the gym all the time, but I stopped when my kids were born. So you were in a situation, you got your oldest boy, you have a new child coming at some point, you're married, and you shifted your pattern. Like, how did it shift? I think the realization of like, uh, holy shit, it's really expensive to have a child, you know, your back's up against the wall. You know, we live in a society that it's truly expensive to do the things you want and you have to figure out creative ways to play the game, right? What's the number one skill that's necessary for your for success in work, in your profession? The number one skill is it's a, having a good memory and being able to recall certain, you know, things about deals and relationships and being a good multitasker is important. I try to elevate everybody that I'm working with, whether it be my colleagues, my clients, my advertisers, my publishers. I'm trying to hit everyone's KPI and goal. I'm trying to make everybody money. I'm trying to make everyone happy. I'm trying to keep it all going and I'm trying to, to get everybody to win. I mean, ultimately, that's what I do. Leading by example is the way to do it. So all the time, it's like this constant edge, constant edge, constant edge. And how do we, without numbing ourselves, without engaging in like drug abuse or some other like toxic behaviors, like how are we soothing that drive, that killer instinct? Like how are we petting that killer animal that's inside? And when we wake up in the mornings and we meet each other at nine o'clock every day, every weekday, that's petting that animal. That's getting that well, that's taming the animal. That's harnessing the animal. That's training this wild beast that's inside. 
and allowing it to stay cerebral, allowing it to stay a kind, loving father, allowing it to stay a loving husband, an amazing friend, allowing the animal to connect to a certain level of spirituality so that it's guided by intuition versus just strictly pure primal instincts. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. What I want Paul to understand and what we deliberately focus on is this idea of the meditative edge. So somebody's going to define their own level of peak performance and there's a dull edge. There's no peak performance there. There's a sharp edge where something's about to break and tear. That is not peak performance. There's a meditative edge where you are stimulated enough to be fully present and literally watch the body create small manipulations to try to survive that moment. And then you pull out in a meditative, caring way. That's high level training. That's Olympic level training. So what does that mean? 104% effort. The ability to do a peak lift or a peak expression at 104% of your capacity without getting hurt in a safe environment that allows you to test it and then pull back. So I can lift 100 pounds, but with the support in this practice with ESCO, I'm going to try to do 104 pounds and then let my body gain a nervous system awareness of what it feels like to actually complete 104% of my capacity. And that can be, never mind weights, that can be obviously in cardiorespiratory training, never mind physicality, that can also be emotional conditioning. So how do you put yourself at the edge, a meditative edge of an explosive emotional impulse in a safe way, let your body, let your psyche experience the edge, the trigger provoking edge of that explosive emotional impulse, know that you can regulate or at least move towards regulation and then pull back out. So that's what Paul is all about. When he embraces leadership by example, he's not saying, hey, you guys can do anything. He's saying, hey, first define what 104% looks like for you and know that you have, you're in an organization that's going to support you in testing that limit. So go out and make the extra call, go out and push buttons a little bit more, go get more, get rejected a little bit more so you can enhance your sales performance by becoming the person who is in swagger land, who is comfortable talking to a prime high level potential client and really offering them an opportunity to work with the company. But how do you, create the body? How do you create the nervous system? How do you create the mind and the psyche that is able to sit in that emotional space where if the person says no, you could be truly rejected. But then you understand that's how I'm learning. That's how I become an Olympian type performer. So that's the meditative edge. What's the biggest thing you need to change? I need to get over this knee injury that I've been uh, complaining to you about. It feels great today, to be honest with you, but that has been bothering me. Yeah, you know, I need to change uh, my zip code for sure. My uh, my apartment is too small for the humans that are inside of it, and I would love to change that. Ah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, this knee injury for me is, is what I need to change. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we definitely monitor that and let it heal. Um, and I guess, what does it feel to have to like scale back a little bit, to have to pump on the brakes? 
It's been actually better than I expected. I've been using an elliptical, which isn't so bad. I mean, I'm definitely sweating while I'm using it. It's a good workout, but I've been definitely doing more like with weights and I just adjusted my uh, my routine. Okay. So it's a diversity in our practices. And it's good to be to have a diverse approach where you still stay in top performance without the stress on the ligaments and the cartilage and the tendons. I'm in that phase a lot where there's a lot of self-care, but done in a certain kind of way where I can condition the body, stay lean, stay strong while I allow certain parts of my body to recover. And my tendency is to like ignore it. And then it stays there for three months and it becomes like chronic and it starts touching other parts of my body. So I'm starting, I'm learning how to like shift gears now. Like you got to recreate the self-optimization formula. There's still a level of focus, but there's patience. And that allows the anxiety to relax. That allows a sense of calm in a complex moment. An analogy is like watching the vegetables grow versus trying to pull them out. Like I need the vegetables to grow today, but they're not grown. But you just, you do some other things while you, and you allow the vegetables to grow comfortably. So our ability to like become aware of ourselves, allowing us to make adjustments and stay in flow. And we do this every day. And I've seen you be more consistent than anybody I've ever met in my life. Thank you. So I appreciate you participating in the show, the beautiful conversation. Yeah, thank you, Esco. I appreciate what you're saying about my consistency. It's all possible because of the you know morning routine that we've established together um, and you know, translate into my whole life. Definitely a pleasure to dive in with one of my best friends, Paul. And the first thing that stood out is, what does it mean to truly believe that you can manifest? I come across a lot of people who believe it. Oh, I can do it. But if you really were able to like see their nervous system vibration, they don't really believe deep down in their nervous system that they can manifest. What do I mean by that? The energy of manifestation is like, I know I got this. I am the best. I am going to do this no matter what happens. I have this. And then from there, the energy and the frequency towards manifestation starts to emerge. But until we have this overload, like this amazing, overwhelming sense of self-confidence, this heavy vibration, like I truly have passion. I am so in love. I, I really feel the bliss. I know I got this. Without that, without being in that 104% moment and practicing towards 104%, and willing to fail as you strive for 104% with a meditative edge, I don't know if we really, really believe we can manifest. And that stood out for me. That really, I see that in Paul. I see that in myself. I see that in a lot of high performers that I work with. They are willing to fail consistently because they always try to do something that they know they're not good at. They know they're not the best at, but they believe it, that they can get better. They believe that they can accomplish the goal. And they put themselves on the edge and say, hey, by this date, I'm going to accomplish this. What? What do you mean? How you, that's, that's, that's bold. What if you fail? Great. But you know what? I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to fail. So that takes you to another edge. That goes beyond just a growth mentality, which is mandatory. I believe it. I think it's necessary, but it's higher than that. Yeah, I'm going to grow, but I'm definitely going to get the tangible outcome. And they really strive for excellence. That stood out for me. The second thing that stood out for me is Paul's recognition that his growth into a well-rounded, full, complete man has a lot to do with showing up 
for his son, showing up for his family, taking all of his excellence, all of his practices, all of his discipline, his intelligence, and then softening it and integrating it and transmuting it into a loving father, a loving friend. And we're showing up every day, practicing, every day practicing. And without Paul, the truth is, I know I would not be stimulated to take it to 104% consistently like that. So I appreciate him for helping me be where I'm at right now. I love him very much. I am Esco Wilson, and you've been listening to The Self-Awakened Lifestyle. You can find out more about me at selfawakenedlifestyle.com. I'd like to thank Paul for coming to the show today. The Self-Awakened Lifestyle is part of Mercy FM Podcast Network, which also includes shows like Soul Savvy Business and Just Between Coaches. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Melissa Deal assembled the episode. Danny Eaney is our executive producer and post-production was by Post Office Sound. So you don't miss upcoming episodes. Please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening right now. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time.